Hi guys, this is your host Ola and welcome to the All Things Money podcast where I'm here to discuss all things money from budgeting, saving, investing and everything else in between. Pensions, pensions, pensions. Another topic we are not taught about at school, yet something we should definitely know about no matter how young or old we are. Online, only 25% of you express that you know how your pension works, which is a pretty low figure, which is why today's episode is all about pensions and how they work. To help me talk about the topic of pensions, today I am joined by Michaela Green, a chartered financial planner and founder of The Wealth Check. Hello, Michaela. How are you doing today? Hello, hello. I am very well. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm happy to have you on and really excited to get talking about pensions. As I know it's not something that is really talked about at school, yet we're all expected to kind of have one or know how they work. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to today's chat. Brilliant. Um, would you like to briefly introduce yourself to those currently listening right now? Um, so my name is Michaela Green. I am a financial expert, a chartered financial planner. And actually, I do specialise in areas of retirement planning, such as pensions and also inheritance tax and just general financial well-being. So I'm, I'm interested in, you know, having this discussion with yourself today, Ola. Amazing. And obviously, I know alongside what you do, um, the Wealth Check is something you have created as well. I know you have a podcast too, which I think is great. Um, And obviously, the Wealth Check itself is a great online platform. Um, What inspired you to create that platform? Yeah, the Wealth Check, I've been in the industry 17 years now. Wow. In excess. And the the Wealth (laughs) Check was really just something that was almost screaming out to me for many years. Because it's one of those things where I do find especially in these kind of times, people actually want to learn how to take control of their finances. I think people are a lot more independent about it now. So they're not fully, um, should I say, dependent on a financial advisor to Mm, manage all mm. of their finances. And rightly so. Um, There are some basic things that, you know, you can adopt that can help improve your financial well-being, your money management. And so the Wealth Check was really just built to, to inspire people to independently take control, give them the empowerment and also the confidence that they can manage their finances. No, I love that. And like you just said, um, not everyone goes to an actual financial planner these days. Um, some people want to be independent and actually want to just know for themselves how things work. Um, and obviously, I think, as much as you know, and I know, and um, we're not taught about these things in school. And I think now people have the time, especially in the past year, to kind of have a sit down and reflect about their finances as some people's financial situations have changed. I think a lot of people are now ready to kind of get to grips on their pension or get to grips on their financial situation. So, yeah. Um, and as I already mentioned, there's a large percentage of people who do not actually know um you know, what a pension is or how they work. And obviously for those who are currently listening at the moment and may not already know what a pension is, would you be able to briefly explain what that is? Sure. Um, You'd have to excuse. I did mention about my throat, but hopefully, you know, I'm (laughs) I'm trying to plough on through, but I have got a bit of a sore throat. But with a pension, a pension is just, in simple terms, it's a saving pot that you put aside for your retirement. And when I say retirement, I talk about the time when you're planning to stop work yeah. when you're planning to stop working. Um, so when that nine to five ends or the self-employment ends and it's kind of what's going to bring in your income 
when you're no longer working. That's basically what retirement is. And it's just a savings pot. I think so many people confuse it or complicate it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, much more than what it needs to be. Um, it's something that you're putting away for a future income. That's what it is. Amazing. Thank you. Um, and obviously, um, pensions are definitely something we should all be contributing to. I personally believe it's something we should contribute as soon as possible. Um, but obviously in the UK, there's obviously different pension schemes available to people. Would you be able to briefly touch on those two um, different pension schemes? Yeah, there's a there's a number of different pensions. But to keep things simple, you you generally, if you are employed, you generally will get enrolled into what's called as an auto auto enrollment scheme mm-hmm. so it's something that an employer is legally obliged to to enroll you into and if you don't enroll I think you have the opportunity to get re-enrolled every three years okay so for those who's opted out you have the opportunity to opt back in yeah um, most people are eligible there is an eligibility criteria but most people are actually eligible um, base if you're earning a certain amount and if you're over like the age of 22. Yeah. So with um, the auto enrollment scheme, what happens there is that you're, you would actually contribute a percentage mm-hmm. and the employer will contribute a percentage. Now, I know we are kind of doing this podcast now when we're here in um, 2nd of June, but as it stands, it's currently an 8% total contribution that you can contribute. Yeah. So you've got the employer that would contribute three percent you the employee would contribute four percent and then you get a government contribution of one percent so with that yeah you get the total contributions you get but you're getting basically free money I always tell people this is free money this is money you're throwing down the drain (laughs) (laughs) if you don't take it up it's almost like you're throwing money away yeah yeah and then you've got a private pension or a personal pension, as they call it. So you would generally take something like that out if you are self-employed. Okay. Or if you don't meet that eligibility criteria. So there are some instances where you don't. So if you don't, you have the opportunity to take out a pension on your own. Yeah. And the difference between the two is that they could be invested in the same places but you're, you're not going to have an employer contributing. So mm-hmm. you are solely responsible as the individual for contributing towards that pension. And that's the real difference. So for people who are employed, because a lot of people should say, should I go for a personal pension if I'm employed? For people who are employed, you do get that extra benefit of having the employer contribute. So it's not so much that they're different schemes, um, but they, they, they have different rulings. So, so that's what it is. But you still get, as a personal pension, you still get the tax relief from the government. Amazing. Brilliant. And obviously, with the tax relief, I'm, I think I believe it's 25% tax relief. Is, am I correct in saying that? Yeah. So it's, it's based on your tax band. So depending on basically which tax bracket you fall under, you get basically more tax relief um the the higher your tax band so if you are a basic rate taxpayer you get the 20 percent okay if you're a high rate taxpayer um you get the 25 percent i see um, and then if you're additional rate taxpayer you get the additional so it kind of goes up in stages like that so yeah if you are a basic rate taxpayer basically for every hundred pounds you contribute you're only physically putting in 80 pounds and the government puts in the other 20. Okay, so guys, if you're listening, um, obviously, if you're contributing to your pension at the moment, 
like Michaela rightly said, um, you're getting gifted free money. So definitely be aware of that, especially if you're in a workplace pension at the moment. And even if you're working at the moment, and you actually don't know if you're involved in your workplace pension, make sure you double check with the employer because some most if you are eligible, you probably are already involved. So just double check with the employer and actually double check if you are and what they currently are contributing as well. Because I know some workplace schemes contribute a little bit more than the um, government minimum. Um, but obviously, Michaela, as on top of your personal pension and your workplace pension, I believe obviously there's a state pension as well, which funnily enough, guys, if you're listening, I'm only 23. Um, I know this um, state pension age, a lot of people are thinking it will probably increase over time. But for those who don't know how the state pension works or what it is, would you be able to briefly explain that as well? Yeah, sure. Um, with the state pension, it is, again, based on... It's more based on your national insurance contributions. So okay. instead of it being an eligibility criteria, it kind of is in a sense. Uh, <laughs> so obviously you have to be working to pay yeah. national insurance contributions. But actually people who are on state benefits as well could also be entitled. So um, that does actually count towards your years of um national insurance contributions or NIC contributions. Um, with the state pension, so it's it's after a certain amount of time that you've you've built up these amounts, and I think it's like ten years now. Okay, which was previously thirty years. Oh wow! So with the with the new state pension, it's um it's basically a government funded scheme. Now, what we have to understand is that number one there's no guarantee that the government will continue to provide this state pension. So it's something that's around now, but it's no guarantee that when you you and I retire, that that state pension (laughs) will be there. So for those of you who are solely reliant and dependent upon just the state pension, Mm -hmm. there is no guarantees, okay? So you have to generally do something separate. The second thing is the amount that it provides. So currently it's just about in excess of, I think, £8,000 per year. Gosh. So 8000 and some. Don't quote me, but it's, yeah. it's 8000 and some. But with, with that, that's what it currently is now. And based on, on that, I mean, if you look at that, that's just over £600 per month. Yeah. Now, most people in retirement can't survive no, on that. Of course, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> right, it's just far too short. And it's kind of like, okay, if you do get that, how do you feel the shortfall? Yeah. Um, and that that that's one of the main reasons why it's worth doing something in earlier years. And the second thing is the age. <laughs> now this is the funny one because it, yeah. it's constantly increasing as as it goes along. And I believe between you and I, we're possibly at age 68 in terms of retirement yeah. based on our, our our date of births and age groups but it's increasing and so you know somebody who's maybe a younger millennial maybe somebody who's 18 that age possibly won't be 68 it'll be more than that so yeah. it's it's a matter of understanding that yes it's a state benefit but it's almost when would I get that benefit as well mm-hmm. and some people want to retire actually most people want to retire way before oh 68. gosh yeah yeah and so you've got to be then thinking about okay what is my plan a not plan b the the state pension should always be the plan b or c mm, so mm. what is my plan a to actually have something where I can have more control over number one when you retire and the amount of income you have when mm. you retire but that's the state pension basically <laughs> No, thank you for explaining that. And obviously, I've had many conversations with a lot of people about the fact that 
you know, at this rate, we're probably going to be 90 until we can reach the state pension age, as a lot of people are living longer. Um, so, yeah, like Michaela rightly said, God, it's really important to have a plan A before you are dependent on the state pension. However, that being said, Michaela, I started contributing towards my pension last year and um, once I started the job I'm currently in um but I know a lot of people aren't sure when the best time is to start um alongside that actually I've created my own separate pension pot just to kind of add to that pension pot and um, when do you think is a good time for people to start contributing towards their pension as early as possible <laughs> and why I say that is because it's it's much less stressful the earlier mm. you start And I'm going by experience because I meet so many clients who come to me at quite later stages, like Mm. the mid forties, and they're in panic mode because they're thinking, I haven't done anything up until then. It only Mm. actually clicked in their mid forties. I've only got 20 years until I retire. So it's kind of like, you know, time does go fast. The earlier you can start contributing to a pension, the better. I would say the minute you start working, so if you've left uni and you've, you know, you've started a full-time job, make sure you enroll into the pension. So the government has made it compulsory now for employers. So wherever you work, you should be entitled to some form of pension. So just start, even if it's a small amount. I've had people say to me, oh, the amount was so small. I didn't, I didn't think it was worthwhile, but it compounds and it yeah. adds up. And over time, it's much more worth putting in a smaller amount from earlier days than not doing anything at all. Um, so, so that would be, yeah, as early as possible. I did have a feeling you would say that, um, but obviously it was asked quite a lot. So guys, like Michaela said, if you can start contributing to your pension pot as soon as possible, but I know there is obviously a legal minimum requirement for employers to contribute towards the workplace pension. But obviously, do you recommend people contribute more than this then? And do you have a rough ballpark figure? As I know, again, I get asked that quite a lot. Yeah, you mentioned something previously before, and you said that you've set up a separate pot as well. So um, one of the things I would say as a first point of call is always ask your employer whether they'd be willing to match uh, if you made a higher contribution. So there are the set minimum standards, which is obviously the employer contributing the um, 3%, sorry, and you contributing 4%. But say, for instance, you said, well, actually, I want to make a 6% contribution. You could ask your employer, if I made 6%, would you match? Would you match that? So that's 12% that you're then getting contributed towards Mm, your mm. employer's pension. Whereas if you just done you know, the the, the 4% with your employer and then done another 2% elsewhere, that's all you're getting, you know. So always ask your employer as a first point of call, if I increase my contribution, will you match that? For an employer, it's a tax deduction. So it's generally, you know, something advantageous for them to do. Obviously, some employers kind of say, no, you know, that's our max and we won't do any more. But you'd be surprised by just asking, you know, your HR department, would you be willing to match? Because that's always a better option because you're getting, again, more free money. So always consider that first before setting up your own private pension. If it's a no, then yes. And and you want to do more, then you might want to then consider something elsewhere. You mentioned, sorry, what's the a good amount? So a good amount... I would say there is, I get asked this question a lot as well. Yeah. <laughs> and and the way that I work with, obviously, from an advice basis is mm. more, 
you want to look at it as it obviously to make sure you can afford this amount because again going back to me stating contribute as early as possible Mm. for somebody contributing in their 20s they might they've got like a 40 year a 40 year run right so this is 40 years before you're not going to see this money (laughs) again (laughs) so it's obviously number one an amount you can afford um go and buy your what you've got left over but then also an amount that you know you're not going to need for the next you know couple of decades because you can't get access to that money um there is a cutoff point I think you have a year if you've enrolled into a pension that you can get your money back but thereafter that that's it it's locked in and so I would say go with an amount that you know actually I don't mind putting this amount away Mm -hmm. for that considerable amount of time but I would say challenge yourself to do to do more and understand what it is you really want in retirement most people's retirements nowadays are very are very bougie you know they, they want <laughs> they want a lot more that it's not yeah. just about retirement as it was you know 20 years ago 30 years ago people mm. want to be traveling they've got bucket lists they've got yeah. a number of things they want to do so I would say first understand what it is your retirement looks like because this is an, a, a question that most people don't ask themselves yeah what does your retirement look like once you've mapped that out then you can determine okay how much income am I going to need right how much do I need to be putting away per month and to to give you a quick equation that most people can work out is what's called like the magic number okay. so if you take basically your current salary what you're earning right now yeah and you multiply it by 25 that is roughly the pot that you need to build up if you're just solely reliant upon pensions interesting does that make sense yes it does so I put it in figure terms yeah if anyone's listening I hope you've got your notebook ready because this is something you're gonna need to jot down <laughs> all right right so if you earn twenty thousand pounds yeah you multiply that by 25 yeah that's half a million five hundred thousand that should averagely be the pot that you need to build up by the time you retire to give you that suitable income of twenty thousand okay right and okay. that's already taken into account inflation and so on and so forth I see so it, that 20,000 may, may be a lot more than 20,000 at that point in time. But that's the pot that you need to build if you're solely reliant upon pensions. Now, some people consider other things like property and businesses and a combination of things, which I encourage people to do. Okay. If you was just looking at pensions, you do need to build up quite a considerable amount to mm, give you mm. a decent or a fair income. That's an easy way to work that out. And honestly, Michaela, you did hit the nail on the head there because you said that a lot of people are living more bougie lifestyles. Um, I've always said that I want to be retired on a beach, probably in Antigua or somewhere in the Caribbean and just living life to the fullest. Like, I, I think we've all worked really hard, especially if you yeah. reach the 50 to 60 to then have to kind of scrimp on your living just because you haven't maybe planned properly or you're then reliant on the state pension. So guys, obviously I know there's a huge range of people that listen to this podcast, but like Michaela has said, if you can contribute as soon as possible, please, please do. Um, but interesting enough the last time I reviewed my pension was around January February time where I changed where my pension was being invested as I wasn't happy with where it was being invested at the time and I'm with Aviva at the moment so it gave me a forecast of how much I would be expected to get at the age of retirement and it said around eight thousand (laughs) pounds so obviously back to my plan of retirement eight thousand pounds a year just isn't going to cut it 
And so obviously that's where I changed my pension and changed it into a different fund. How often do you think people should be reviewing their pension and how can they do so? Yeah, good question. Um, that's that's a very good point that you made there. So the point at the back, um, when you when you do get your pension statements, it will say how much you're going to actually achieve in retirement mm. and it will give an amount before your tax-free lump sum and thereafter. So you've obviously got the two. So with the pension, yeah. you'll get the 25% tax-free, the remainder you'll pay tax on. So even that um, £8,000, what you saw, that's not even £8,000 because you're going to pay tax on that amount as well. Gosh. So, but, but that's a good thing to look at. That is the mm, good thing mm. to look at because when you see that, you would see it's based more on your contributions than it is on where you're invested. So mm-hmm. I would say an amount of 8000 is more to do with the amount you're contributing as opposed to the investments that it's in. Because what you will find is that um, most places with a pension will be invested in quite similar things. So most of them sit around a medium risk and it's quite balanced in the areas that it actually invests in. Um, And you'll find that kind of across the board, uh, Mm -hmm. regardless Mm -hmm. where you're invested in. But you're right, obviously the investment area, if you can maximize the performance on the investments, then that can have a significant effect on the compounding and that's your pension basically working harder without you having to do any extra work Mm -hmm. but a lot of it comes in from the front end and I always say to people what you put in is what you'll get out yeah and and that's what it is with a pension so if you don't want to put much in then don't expect much to come out at the end and the the investment growth of it is the bonus. And I would say you get your pension statements most most likely from most companies once a year. Yeah. Review it, review it, review the areas where you're invested, like what you did, which is good. Um, see the investment performance. I would say with pensions, because they're invested for such a long period of time, yeah. don't get too bogged down with the performance because okay. it's invest what where it might have lost in an area it can make that back up because it's invested for such a long period of time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the way you manage an investment, uh, a pension is very different to the way you'd manage an investment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because investments are more, I, I would say they're long-term, but they're more short-term when yes. compared to a pension. Yeah. Okay. And when you stretch it out over a 30, 40 year period, if you are investing early, mm. then you know, you've got time to make up for falls in, in a market, but you'd find most portfolios that you're invested in generally going to sit around the same kinds of areas of investments known as asset classes. Yeah. But yeah. I would say, yeah, every what every three years, I would say kind of give your investment, your pensions a review and kind of think, does it need a bit of a shuffle? Is there one specific area in that portfolio that's just not been performing well for the last three years? But don't get hung up if something doesn't perform well for one year because it's something that's going to be left for another 20, 30 years. So it's yeah, like that long one thing that went down could be your best performer in the following year. So it's you more, you more monitor performance with pensions when you're getting ready to take your pension than okay. when you've just started your investment. Okay, so that's now making a bit more sense to me because personally, obviously I'm an investor as well. So my first port of call was, okay, switching up where the money has been invested. But no, like you mentioned, it's really good to kind of look at how much you're contributing as well. So guys, 
again, don't be stressed if you're listening to this podcast and you think you don't have any spare change to invest in your pension. Obviously, only do so when you can, but it's definitely good to kind of, you know, just reflect back on how much you're currently um, contributing. And if you can add a bit more, then definitely do. But I obviously know there are people who are currently listening and may have different pension pots from past and current employers. Do you think it's a good idea to combine them all together? Such good questions, Ola. Absolutely love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. With that, it's it's one of those things where consolidation is is just so much easier. I think Mm -hmm. when we have everything in one place, it's um, much easier to manage. But it's a bit like bank accounts as well. Yes, if you have one bank account, it's a lot easier to manage all of your transactions. But Mm. sometimes there are reasons why you might want multiple different accounts because it kind of helps. But with a pension, um, they all have different structures and rules. So it's not all occasions that you're able to to consolidate and amalgamate all pensions into one. Okay, because they all have the title pensions, but there are there are quite a vast amount of different types of pensions and they have different structures. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So without, you know, going into um, complex uh, details, you've got things that's known as a defined contribution, which basically is most schemes. So it's most auto enrollment schemes that you have. Okay. with the defined contribution, it's basically defined by the contributions. As as I mentioned to you, it's more about the contribution. So what you put into those pensions is what you get out. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. And then you've got another type of pension. And, and that, sorry, going back to that, with those defined contributions, you will find the auto-enrollment schemes, a lot of them are contributing there. When you take out a personal pension, it's defined mm-hmm. contribution. When you have a SIP, like a self-invested personal pension, all of those are defined contributions. So what you put in is what you get out, and it's based on investment performance. Um, and then you've got another pension, which is the defined benefit. So it works slightly different to the defined contribution. It's guaranteed. So when you retire, that income is guaranteed. So it's invested in places where, you know, it, there isn't a huge amount of risk to mm, your money. Mm. So with the defined benefit, the scheme takes on the risk. So okay. you don't have to. So you will find a lot of those are, I don't want to say they're quite historic, but you won't really find them around as much because they're yeah. very costly to an employer to provide. Okay. So you'd find the likes of like BHS and I don't know if you remember BHS and these yeah. companies <laughs> that folded and Debenhams mm, because mm simply a lot of them couldn't afford to pay out their employees defined benefit schemes. This is, this, that, that was the story behind a lot of okay. these um, companies. So with the defined benefits, you won't find a lot of them around as such, but many people do have them and they've got them as part of their, you know, um, pension pots. Mm-hmm. So when you've got a defined contribution and def- defined benefits and you've got mixtures of, of the two, n- there are not all times that they can be put into one because okay. number one, the defined benefit are like the golden pensions. You wouldn't want to give up something that has a guarantee. Yeah, <laughs> There yeah. are no other pensions with a guarantee. So mm. unless there was a real reason for you to lose that guarantee, then um, it wouldn't be worth switching into yeah. a defined contribution. And also even with defined contribution pensions, some of them do have guarantees. Some of them have things like bonuses and other things attached that your other pension might not have. So it's almost like 
okay, if I do transfer into that one, I lose all my bonuses, you know, so you've got to look at, there's a number of things that you look at with pensions and that's when it sometimes can get a bit technical, but, um, that I, I would always say speak to an advisor when okay. it comes to instances like that, because there's a number of things you should take into account mm. when mm. considering switching. But ultimately, in an ideal world where all of your pensions have the same rules and the same schemes, then yes, why not? It, it might be better off to, to amalgamate and switch them all into one because you could end up saving, you know, paying less on charges, but also... When you retire, you only have one pension. Yeah. So for those who have a number of pensions, five different pension pots, you've got five different incomes coming in in retirement, mm, mm, which yeah. is just a bit, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit much. So, mm. so in an ideal world, yes, it would be great. But in the real world, um, it, it doesn't always work out well um, to, to amalgamate. Amazing. Thank you for that, Michaela. So say, for example, if I had three last employers and all of them fit the same rules, would you then recommend me to consolidate all three pension pots? So, again, there there are rules around consolidating Mm -hmm. and it's got to fit. So number one, it's what's your reason as to why you want to put them all together. Okay. Okay. Um, Number two is, yes, they might be all the same, but they possibly all going to have different charges. And it's looking at that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And number three is the amount. So the government stipulates, or not the government, sorry, the Financial Conduct Authority who regulates financial services, they stipulate that your pension pot has to have 20,000 in there before you should consider a transfer so basically oh, consolidating wow. is also known as pension transfers okay so if all three of them in total tallied up to or if two of them sorry tallied up to twenty thousand, and you wanted to move them then that's fine but if say for instance you just had one other pension and you wanted to move that into your other pension and it was eight thousand pounds for instance mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to to consolidate that anyway because the amount is below the twenty thousand. Okay. so yeah, there's so much that goes into consolidating, even if all of the pensions are exactly the same, there's still a lot that has to go on before you can transfer. And that's why now they, I think they do make it compulsory, especially if it's over a certain amount that you have to seek financial advice, because it's just complex, a lot more complex than it actually looks yeah. from the outskirts. It's not like transferring a bank account, right. then, should I say, <laughs> or, or transferring yeah. your bills to another. It's, yeah. it's very complex because what may look like all the same thing when you read the terms and conditions and understand the policy what that you have or the pension plan, it could be completely different. Amazing. I didn't personally know that one. So thank you for sharing that, Michaela. And guys, again, I hope you're taking notes because there's lots of information being shared here um, and definitely a lot of things I didn't personally know as well. But Michaela, um, as we reach the end of today's episode, before I let you go, what would be your top three pension tips? Top three pension tips. Number one, define what your retirement looks like. Everybody's retirement is individual to them. Mm-hmm. Number two, work out how much income you really need in order to retire and what age you're planning on retiring as well. That will help you. And the third, last but not least, just contribute. 
like yes. just start it doesn't <laughs> matter how small or how large your contributions are mm-hmm. some contribution is better than none and so I would say and would encourage to just make a start amazing thank you for those three tips and thank you just for all the information you've shared in today's episode it's been great a lot of the questions I also wanted to ask myself because I wasn't actually clued up in a lot of the things that you mentioned so thank you again for sharing all of that and You're welcome. but obviously before I let you go if people would like more of Michaela Green where can they find you places to reach me Instagram at the wealth check you can um, look me up on my website and see all of my services and read more about uh, Michaela Green at www.michaelagreen.com and yeah that's that's about it you can listen to my podcast but you can get access to everything about me on there amazing well thank you once again Michaela and thank you for joining me Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the All Things Money podcast. For more All Things Money, make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast and make sure you tune back in next week.